Well, all right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Pastor Lester, Sharon Hayes this morning. Uh, I'd like to welcome all of you this morning to the Creating a Prayer Culture for God. Uh, what an awesome, amazing, incredible God that we serve. Amen. We thank the Lord this morning. Amen. For all that he has done, all that he's doing, and all that he promised that he would do. We just thank the Lord. We give him praise for that. Amen. It's just a beautiful day, the day that the Lord has made on this Thursday morning, January the 13th, that we're alive, we're breathing, we're moving. We have our being and we're in our right mind this morning. And we're coming together on one accord this morning uh, to uh, testify to the goodness of the Lord, to learn more about what God has written uh, in these pages of Scripture for our learning Amen. That we might know we have eternal life through him. Amen. And him only. And, you know, learning the things that the father gave him to bring to us as Jesus came up, uh, upon this earth. Amen. To bring the message from the father to us. Amen. And I thank God for Jesus because Jesus is a wonderful example for us of God's love. Amen. And he's also the living word of God, the incarnated word of God made flesh. And the Bible said there was a time in the book of John, the first chapter, uh, you know, where Jesus Christ came among his very own people. The word of God, God, the word walking among the people, his own people. And the Bible says that they did not even recognize him. And it's just amazing that he's with us today through the word. And it's still difficult for people today to recognize him because People recognize people like them, you know, to walk on two legs. And when you start talking about, you know, the spirit of God being in us and with us and around us and, you know, and it's hard for people to gravitate to that sometimes. And this is why our minds have to be renewed by the word of God. So we think differently. You know, we think differently about love, God's love versus man's love. It's a difference. And a lot of times we talk about love. We talk about, you know, uh, by loving kindness, have I drawn the and, and and, and, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to gravitate to or embrace or embark upon a, a, a level of thinking where you say, oh, so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Him who, you know, we have to go to the word to find out who that, who is he, who, you know, who, who, who is, who is the son of God, you know, that came and he said, when you see me, you see the father. So when you see, see God's love that his son had for him then bam, and that love is translated and transferred to us through Jesus Christ, you know, now you get a clearer understanding of the word love because you actually see it, you know, demonstrated through one who was willing to become, give up his position with the father, you know, his place with his father and come down here, you know, and bring, you know, salvation and bring forgiveness and bring repentance, you know, because it had been so much rejection up until that point. You know, God demonstrated to his people, his chosen people, how he loved them. He fed them. He got them out of captivity and bondage. And he just continuously demonstrated his nature, which was love to them. You know, there was suffering, but God was right there with them. He didn't abandon them. He didn't forsake them. If anything, they denied and rejected him, you know, but he still cared so much as Moses went to God so many times and cried out to the people. And that cry went up. That petition went up, man. I'm telling you, God said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. 
you know, and, and, you know, and I'll bring you out. I'll bring you through, you know, when you go through the fire. I want it to be burned. You know, I won't put more on you than I know you're able to bear. And with that, I'll make a way for you to escape out of it so you can bear it. He just continuously throughout the ages gone, the ages that are and the ages to be, just demonstrating his love toward, for, toward mankind. What an awesome God, you know, that he loved this world so much that he was willing to give his best choices gift you know, to mankind, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, just so that we could believe in him and have everlasting life. What a what a price to pay for just such a small return. If people would just come to him and believe that he is the son of God, he's the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the one that they long for, a savior. And he sent Jesus Christ, you know, himself in the form of man to come and redeem us, to buy us back, to reconcile us back out of love. You know, he demonstrated that love to us in that when we were yet sinners and we're talking about we all the way back to all the generations before us that rejected him, you know. And today there are those who are rejecting him. I mean, God is just giving life. God is still saving. God is still pardoning us. God is still freeing us, man. He's still, man, blessing us, man, in the city, in the field, getting up, laying down for one thing that we would hearken unto the voice of the Lord this day, just like that day. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday. He was loving and forgiving and merciful then and long-suffering. He's the same today, you know, forgiving, merciful, and long-suffering because he has not come back yet. Because when he comes back, he's not coming as a savior. He's coming as a king. He's coming as a righteous and just judge, you know. And he's given us every opportunity right now as, a, as humanity on this earth. And he's teaching us and telling us that, hey, just like I said back then, if I leave, man, he's but a few days and full of evil. And so I'm still trying to deliver man from his evil ways, you know, from his evil deeds, you know. And I'm doing it by love. And if I be lifted up in this earth, I still am able to draw men unto me. I'll drag them out of stuff this morning. I'll reconcile them even the more now because... I love them still, and I'm still interceding. I'm still yet being that high priest intercessor. My blood is still covering a multitude. My love is still covering a multitude of your shortfalls. And so that love is so powerful, and it's all in preparation for the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That payday, that day of the Lord where everybody's going to get what they deserve. You know, if you serve God, you've overcome, amen, by the blood of the Lamb, you know, you died in that first resurrection, which I gave, you know, gave my, my, my life over to him, you know, and I took on a new life and the old things got passed away and all things have become new. And we're walking in the newness of life. We're walking in love. We're walking in the love of the father. We're loving each other. We're loving one another and we're loving God more than anything and anybody. And it's because God has given us that ability to do that. He shared that love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it's been an outstanding, you know, love. It's been an amazing love. It's been an incredible love. It's been unconditional. Amen. And so we thank God. Amen. Because we're headed toward receiving our reward and we're just continuing. Amen. Along this path of, of, of walking in the love of God and experiencing the love of God. And, you know, we're going to be restored back into you know, that perfect uh, body that God is going to bring with us or because he loves us. Amen. He's going to do a new heaven and a new earth. 
But in the meantime, through love and kindness, he's drawing us as we lift up his name and we learn about him. Amen. Making a new generation of believers. Amen. A bride without spot or without wrinkle because love covers. He gets all the spots. He gets off the wrinkles and it makes that which is in part now that we see in part now. It'll be full and complete. Now about his faith, hope and love in these three charity in these three. Uh, the greatest of these is love. And so God is love. His nature is love. And he wants us to walk in love. What an incredible, amazing love that prepares us for the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we left off uh, Monday talking about, you know, the second coming of Jesus Christ and what was going to be bestowed upon us. And so this morning, you know, uh, as we looked in the first book of John, chapter uh, 3, verse 2 of the King James Bible, we're going to deal with part C of that verse this morning. You know, amen. And so just to kind of take a look, you know, uh, about uh, the, 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 the only beauty that we should desire of him, you know, his, his appearance, you know, when he shall appear, what shall he look like? I tell you, he won't look like he looked on that cross. You know, he, he's, he's, he's been glorified. He was crucified. And a lot of people saw his body, his bruised body. They were there. There was physical witnesses. Amen. Some of them wrote about what they saw. And we've been able to learn about that. But today, there's no beauty that we should desire of him because he's not there on that cross anymore. A lot of people keep him on the cross because they keep crucifying. They keep thinking about he was crucified and they, and they, they, they get choked up. They get broke up. They cry. But I thank God that he's a glorified Savior now. He's a glorified King now, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that there's no beauty that we should desire of him. But it says when we stand before him, there's going to be a brightness that will just blind us, you know, amen, to the glory of God. And so that we can begin today, man, through, through the love of God, begin to begin to imagine what heaven is going to be like when we stand before him and in his presence, amen, if we make it there by enduring to the end. And so there is only one beauty, amen, and uh, it will be that spiritual Christ-likeness, you know, because the Bible lets us know that's how we're going to see him, you know, because, you know, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But this one thing that we do know, this one hope that we do have because of the love of God that's been bestowed upon us through his son Jesus, that we shall see him the way he is, that Christ-like beauty that we talk about, that we learn about, that's wrote about, that we read about, that we study about, we meditate on about, we imagine that because the word allows us to do that. It renews our mind, our way of thinking. Amen. But it's a spiritual Christ-likeness that we strive for to be like him. Why? Getting back to being created in the image and likeness of Christ. That's what we're working toward, to be restored to that Christ likeness before he comes. Amen. Working out our own salvation with fear and trembling every day, putting this flesh to death, man, you know, crucifying it, you know, just like he was crucified. We, he was, he was spiritual man. He was man. He was man taking on the sins of the world, but he was crucified. That, that sin man was crucified for us, took our place. Amen. And so it's the same thing today. Every day we had to consider ourselves like sheep for the slaughter because of the love of God. You know, because of the love of God, you know, he paid that price to prove to his father that he loved him. We have to pay that price every day by dying to the, to the things of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the proud of life, things of this world, being in this world, but not loving the things of this world. Crucifying that stuff every day, putting it under us every day because of the love of God, you know, so that we might be, you know, spiritually Christ-like. That's what it means to be a Christian. Christ-like. We're not there yet, but we're being perfected. This flesh is dying, perishing every day, but the real you, the real me, the real us, 
is being renewed in the spirit realm every day. Our spirits are getting stronger. Amen. Because we have to know that God is watching over everything on this earth and he's going about looking for such that will worship him, serve him, honor him, live for him in spirit and in truth. This is the only way we can be Christ-like, you know, is by the work of the spirit in us, working out these things. How does he work these things out? With the truth. He's the spirit of truth. He's in us working these things out. Amen. That our love will one day reach a, a, a perfect, you know, love. Right now, we see things in part according to the book of First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. You know, as we look, it's like looking through a glass, but we only see things in part. But when that with his perfect has come, that Christ likeness, you know, we really like him because we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're absent from this body and present with the Lord. Now we're fully spirit. And we will see him the way he is. Why? We're going to be like him. And we have to have this hope. And love of God allows us to be able to hope that these things are true, that these things will be just like he said. And we will one day be Christ-like, like Christ, standing before him. This is the only way because we can't carry no flesh into his presence. And so we put this flesh, we crucify it today, every day. Amen. Learning to die daily. And the love of God helps us to do that. So, you know, that's the only beauty. Amen. We will, you know, be, you know, spiritually Christ-like in the end. And we need to be working that out right now with fear and trembling, you know, becoming more like him, getting more prepared. And every time we ingest or digest the word or we impart the word or we declare the word over ourselves, over our, our seed and our seed seed, we'll, we're delivered. Our seed of the righteous is more delivered. You know, every time we pray over them and we, 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 we speak, you know, uh, uh, over them, the word of God then they are also being perfected because we're being perfected by speaking it and they're being perfected by hearing it and receiving it. And so the same thing for our father, he speaks to us. He gives us good, perfect things. Amen. That perfect in us, the love of Christ. Then we should do it to our seed, you know, because God want them delivered too. He want to bless us and not only us, but our whole house, you know, to be blessed by the love of God so that we have a chance to become more Christ-like as it does not appear yet what we shall be. But we got some insight here. So we want to take a look this morning at uh, that part C of that verse right there. The only beauty will be spiritual Christ-likeness. That's it. That's it. You know, I know people sometimes get makeovers and, you know, they have a, a perfect body they want to build through weight rooms and lifting that and six packs of muscles. But when it comes down to Christ-likeness, there's nothing can be compared to that. You know, it shows and reflects in your character and, and, and the, the character of God was reflected through his son, Jesus. You know, he said, my meat is always to do with him that sent me, you know, so he was like his father. He was his father, you know, you know, he said, when you see me, you see my father. So when you see the Christ likeness in us, Paul said this, it is not I anymore. It's the Christ in me. You know, that's the hope of glory. It's the Christ in us. It's not us. It's the Christ you know, because we're dead. We're dead spiritual. So the only spiritual thing us in us is the Christ-likeness, that, that, that personification of the Christ-like character. And it starts with one thing, love. And everything else kind of hinges on that, hangs on that, functions by that. But it's love first, you know, and then everything else, you know. And without love, we ain't pleasing God. It's just like faith. We, what we speak and preach and teach is in love by faith. Because we're hoping that you get it. We're hoping that it resonates. You know, we're hoping that it sticks. Amen. And when you do it in love, it will. 
So let's jump in here, you know, and and and, and uh, one of the verses that we're going to look at this morning, talking about the only beauty, which will be spiritual Christ-likeness. A good place to go is over in the book of Romans to bring this point out in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 29 of the King James Bible. As we just kind of look at that, and it says here, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed, listen to this now, to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now you think about that. You know, God predestined this, okay? Okay? That we shall also bear the image of his son. Okay? That, that Christ-like character in us. You know, by this, he says, men are going to know that you are my disciples because you love the brethren. Just like Jesus Christ came to this earth, man, he said, hey, my meat is always to do the will of him that sent me. Okay, what was that will? That will? Remember, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he sent himself through Jesus Christ, his son, to be that image of the father's love among the brethren on earth. And Jesus went about loving them. They spit on him. They beat him on the whipping post. They, they, man, they end up crucifying him, so they thought. But he said, Father, you know, hey, hey, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. I'm coming here to show them you, to present you to them who love them so much that you gave me your only begotten son. And so we are the same thing today. You know, this is why we say we, we, we kind of, you know, all joy when we suffer for Christ's sake. Because this is the way that the world going to know that we love God and that God loves them is through us. And the things we suffer is for Christ's sake. How else is the world going to know that God loved them if we're not willing to let Christ shine through us and work through us? And a part of that is, you know, suffering for his namesake. We don't know what suffering we're going to do, but we know that as he suffered, we shall suffer for his namesake too. And he said, if you suffer for me, if you suffer with me, you're going you're gonna to reign with me. Just like Jesus is right now back with the Father, restored, glorified, reigning with the Father at the right hand, our high priest advocate interceding for us. And he said, you know, while you in the earth, you know, they're going to be trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because I've already overcome those things. I was the image of the Father among the brethren. You are going to be the Christ-like example among the brethren, you know. My children, the ones that I saved and filled with my spirit, and I put love in your heart by my spirit so that you can love and not hate. You can be forgiving because you've been forgiven. You know, and, and that's love, you know. That's how they're gonna know that you are my disciples. Not what you say, but what you do too, about what you say. Jesus said, Hey, I didn't just come and tell you about my father's love. I didn't come and just teach about his kingdom. I came and I demonstrated his kingdom while I was with you. I fed the hungry, you know. I clothed the naked, you know. I went in the synagogue and taught, you know. I was abused. I, I, you know, I was, they, they tried to kill me, and eventually they thought they did. They rejected me, but I loved them instead, you know, because of my father. I was so in love with my father and so excited about what he told me to do, to come and die and because of love. I was able to be crucified for you. I was able to give up the ghost. I was able to be separated from my father because love motivated me. Love drove me to do that. Why? I knew it wasn't me. You know, it was pleasing my father. It was honoring him who loved the whole world. You know, and I was a part of that on your behalf so that you might receive love, you know, and be and be made 
free by it. So he said, for whom he did foreknow, which was all of us from the beginning, even from the foundation of the world. So it wasn't no surprise to God. He had already declared in creation that, look at there, my man in my image and likeness is but a few days on this earth. Left alone for a few days with some, some serious instructions. You know, I didn't just put him out there. I put him out there and I gave him some instructions of what he could do and what he couldn't do. You know, and he did exactly what I told him not to do. A few days and full of evil. And he repented God that he made him. You know what I'm saying? You know, it, it, it hardened his heart. And it's the same thing today when people get saved and it just seems like, man, that's all it is. They get saved and that's it. Once saved, always saved. They don't try to do nothing else to grow in, you know, to, to try to be restored in the image and likeness, to try to be Christ-like, you know. They, they think it's about just going around saying, I'm a Christian. Like, they already have, everything has already been made full and complete, you know. No, it, it, spiritually it has been. But we still a natural man, a natural woman. We still got to learn how to move from being a natural man and living as a spiritual man or a spiritual person. And that's the whole key. That's, that's that conversion process. That's that renewing process. That's that restoration process. Because you got to remember now, because of the first man, Adam, all of us were born sinners. Our nature was corrupt. And, but, but, but God made a way that once I become of an accountable age, Hopefully my parents and, and, and everybody train me up in the way I should go that when I get old I won't depart from it. Thank God that ours did. It's probably why we're here today because them seeds manifested later on in life and here we are. And he's saying, you know, that, that, that way you have a chance now to, uh, to experience the love of God and to work out your salvation until the end so that you can be Christ-like so you can see me the way I am. There's no other way because ain't no flesh going to grow in my presence. So some changes are going to have to be made. And love is what brings about that change. That's why he put it in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He didn't just put a little bit over there in the corner. It said it's shed abroad. So everything in us, you know, it, that, that functions because of the love of God. You know, our mind, the way we talk, things we say, the way we feel, all that's been conditioned now. To be functioning in love. Not just, not just me saying it, but me doing it, me being it, being consumed by the love of God. That's what, hey, Jesus was ate up with the love of his father. We got to be ate up with the love of Christ. Consumed, you know, consumed. And this is what happens every time we open up the word. Some people call it like this love letter to the world. I can understand why people say that. It is truly a love letter. When you see that it was given, the volume of the book was given out of love so that God's people can have a doctrine on love that they could live by. Could be reproved because of love. He chastens whom he loves. <clears throat> he corrects whom he loves. You know, he instructs us in righteousness out of love. That we as men and women of God may be thoroughly furnished in love. Unto every good work. See, love yields good work. Love brings good work. Love brings the best out of people. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Love has touched our lives. And even though we're imperfect and it's filthy red before God, but there's just something about the love that's shed about in our hearts that make us want to do right by God. And it ain't us. It ain't because, you know, we, we our human nature. Paul says that war goes on all the time. 
I want to do this, but I should do, but I always do this. It's that entanglement going back and forth. And if for the sake of love, we will go right back to doing what we've always done. But because of love, there's some conviction that comes. There's some, there's some motivation come. There's some enthusiasm that comes. It's that, it's that thing in us that's done in part. It's that drive. It's that desire to say, now you know you can't do that. It may come after you done offended the person. You might go back and think about it and say, man, I hate I did that. See, that's that love speaking. That's that love got you that way. And sometimes we might just let love lead us to call and say, look, I'm sorry for what I said. Forgive me. See, that's love. That's love, you know. And he says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And sometimes when we do things that we're not, we have never done before, it's just like Jesus. Jesus was the first person to do what he did, come and die, hang on the cross for our salvation, you know, become sin for us out of love for his father and doing, and doing his will. And we might sometimes be like that. We might be the first in our family, the first in our church, the first on our job. You know, we don't know. We might be the firstborn of what God had predestined through Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. People might look at you and say, that ain't the same person that I grew up with. That ain't the same person that I knew. You might be the first fruits of that love. But think about this. If it happens that, that way, if it turns out that way, don't pat yourself on the back, give yourself no credit. Know that God already saw you before the foundation of the world, what you and I were going to be doing. And there's others yet have not come that are still afar off trying to worship him. But as his name is lifted up by loving kindness, he's going to bring them along too. He's going to draw them too. This is why we have to love with the love of Christ that's shed abroad in our in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Why? God is yet drawing people that he ordained from the foundation of the world. Now, some of them might reject him like they did then. But nevertheless, in the eyes of God, through the finished work of Jesus on that cross by love, God don't see them the way we see them. God looks beyond their faults, just like he did us. And God sees the potential that he created them to have, to be, to do. He sees that. He sees that when I made you, you were perfect. But because of one man, Adam's sin, he violated the trust. He violated the confidence that God put in him when he set him and Eve in the garden and gave them explicit instructions. That was love. He said, every tree out there in that garden, because I love you, you can eat except for that one tree. One tree. All the other trees compared to one tree. And you could not. You had to go down that path and partake of that tree which symbolizes Satan. His, 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 that, that, that tree was going to uh, separate you from God. That fruit on that tree. And you couldn't resist. You rejected God, but you couldn't reject that, reject that temptation. Isn't that amazing? Some people reject God, but they can't, they can't stand the truth. The truth helps us. Rejecting God don't help us. It separates us from the love of God. But now, because of the second man, Adam, reconciled, if we accept God's love, nothing can separate us from that love. But we have to accept that love with no strings attached because it's based on the finished work of Jesus on that cross. But if you keep eating of the forbidden fruit, you keep separating yourself from God. It separates you. Sin separates you. But when you forsake sin and go after God, nothing can separate you. It's not automatic. 
You know, sometimes we just say, well, you know, nothing can separate us from... He's talking to a specific group of people that, as we see right here, he foreknew and he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. So don't take for granted now just by, by we just throwing it out there. There's, there's some work. There's some requirement. You can't live in sin and think that you're not going to be separated from the love of God. I don't care how many years you say you've been saved. How can you continue therein? The image of Christ, you know, is at stake here. And then he goes on to say, you know, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Just like Jesus, so shall we be. Book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, the King James Bible said, as he is, okay, he's, he's now the way he was. He gave it up to come and save us and others before us. Now he's been glorified back to the Father, you know, so he's back in that image, that original image as he, you know, before he came. He's been glorified. He's been restored back to that. And he's saying, hey, he was the firstborn of many brethren. But it was so that he could have many, many sons after him. Now is the manifestation. When the love of God comes into play, that love saves you, that love frees you, that love covers you. Now we have the manifestation of the sons of God created in that image and in that likeness. You know, as he is, so are we in the earth. You know, he's love, so are we in the earth. We're to be his love in the earth. Loving the brethren. By this shall men know that you are my disciples. Unconditioned, hardest thing in the world to do, man, when there's so much corruption out there. There's so much hate out there. There's so much people against what we do. The Bible says some of it is like a stumbling block to people and a, a, a rock of offense, you know. I just posted a, 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 a text the other day that personify this how quickly people can go from this extreme to that extreme because you don't give them what it is that they want of you because sometimes you have to wait on God God restrains us remember that divine restraint we talked about you know I hear God sometimes saying to me when I want to do things because the love of God in me man is, is pushing me but then I hear God he's saying hold up hold up wait a minute wait a minute you know don't cast your pearls among swine I said okay Lord I ain't calling them no swine the scripture did you know, and so I have to, I have to be restrained. I, I have to, I have to wait on God. You know, a lot of times I, I feel like it's not a, a denial. It's just a delay. Maybe God is working with those people to try to get some things, flush some things out of them. I don't know. But sometimes people uh, can incorrectly receive the love gift of God. You know, I mean, remember the young rich boy? He said, hey, wait, wait a minute. You mean I got to sell all of this to have this power? That God is giving freely if you're willing to give up everything. Jesus did. So this is the way right here we're going to be uh, probably the firstborn in his image. Is giving up everything. He said, sell everything you got and go give it to the poor. He wasn't ready to do that. And there's some people out there, man, you know, you done gave up everything to serve God. And they've given up nothing. And so because they didn't give, they're not going to reap. They're not going to receive. See, it's better to give. And when you give out of love, you receive in love. And some people don't, haven't figured that out yet. You know, I gave up everything in my old life in order for the love of God to make all things new so that I could walk in the newness of life. And I'm not speaking, it's not just me. It's many, many other firstborn of that image out there. Now, when I look back, I say, God knew me before the foundation of the world. I know way I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. None of you be doing what you're doing right now. If God didn't know, if he didn't predestinate this, if he didn't choose this path for you, you know. And there are those out there that don't understand that. You know, they just think because you're a Christian, you just supposed to give, 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 you know. 
you know, to them. They're supposed to receive, 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 receive from you without giving. You know, and, and Peter said it's better to give than it is to receive, you know. And because we've been given, we've been given, we've been given our time, we've been given our talent, we've been given our, our, our first fruits of our income for years, and we have reaped the benefit. And people want to know, man, hey, how can they get, you know, and they, and, they, and they turn into beggars instead of givers. And it wasn't easy for us to give, you know, but we couldn't afford not to. But out of love, see, doing what God's word instructed us to do, you know. Letting that be our doctrine. Letting that be our reproof. Letting that be our correction. Letting that be our instruction in righteousness so that we as men and women of God will be thoroughly friends and prepared to every good work. You know. Yeah, there was famine. There was times, man, when I felt like, man, I, I ain't going to have enough. You never will if you don't learn to give when there is not enough in your, in your opinion, in your assessment of the situation. But that little that you have, when it's given to God, becomes much because God is a God of increase. And when he sees that you did it out of love for the word of God and following the word of God and that you're going to obey his commandments to the very end, even in famine, don't violate God's way of doing things. And he'll still add these things unto you. And that's what a lot of people don't get. You know, they think that, they think that God saved you for them. Later on, maybe, but first he saved you for himself, you know. And then later on, you know, he sends his, his love and his will and his purpose and his plan through you to them. But he got to perfect some stuff in us because what we know now, we know in part, <coughs> you know. And so we look here in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 49, the King James Bible, as we continue to talk about, uh, the only beauty will be the spiritual Christ-likeness that shines through us in word and in deed. He says, and as we have borne the image of the earthly, of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Man, that's powerful. As we have bore the image, okay, of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, let's put that in context. That's in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 49 of the King James Bible. This is exactly what Jesus did. He gave up the heavenly to come to the earthy so that he could be this personification of his father, the image of his father. When you see me, you see the father. You know, look at what that's saying. You know, that we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. He was glorified after he was crucified. The earthly was the, was the crucifixion. The heavenly was the glorification, going back to the Father, residing back at the right hand of the Father, where he's at now, our high priest and the preeminent one, you know. And this is what we're striving for. You know, this, this old earthly tabernacle, when it is dissolved, there, there is a house that's been built, not by hands, in the heavenlies, you know. You know, this, this old corruption is going to take off corruption and put on incorruption, this old mortality is going to take off mortality and put on immortality. You know. Brand new, brand new spiritual body. Just like Christ. You know. Just like Christ. So that we can see him the way he is because we're just like him. You know. And it's so powerful. Look, 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 let me read that again. As, and as we have borne the image of the earthly. You know, we, we, are, we are the Christ-like creatures in the earth right now. And when people see us, they ought to see Christ-likeness right now. They ought to see God in you. 
Because if they, if they don't see God in you, they have no right to follow you. They have no obligation. No, no, they have no, no, you know, they have no will to follow you, no desire to follow you. But if they ever see Christ in you, you know, you can't see the Christ in me and not follow him. Or not follow me as I follow him. If you really letting your light so shine that men can see your good works and they too will glorify our Father which is in heaven. Now, if that's the case, people will want to follow you as you, as you follow Christ. But a lot of times the reason people ain't following people is because you're not showing the real Christ. You know, I remember when the Lord spoke to me, man, 15 years into my marriage about my wife and I kept telling God how I loved him and he kept saying, no, you don't. About the third or fourth time, I got it. The light went off. I don't measure how much you love me based on how many times you tell me with mucus hanging out your nose and crawling all around the floor and crying and boo-hoo feeling guilty for what you used to do and what you didn't do. And, you, you know, if I'd have known back then, I wouldn't really be better. All that emotion and stuff, you know. I was not emotionally well because I had not yet experienced the real love, true love of God. But he spoke to me that day. And he said, no, I look at how you treat your wife. Husband, love your wife the way Christ loved the church. So much that he gave himself. I was convicted instantly. The light went off. I started thinking about, have I, will I, did I give myself for my wife to ensure that, you know, she, 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 she had the chance to become everything that God had created her, or was I in the way? Or was I having so much unrealistic expectation on her based on how my father did my mother, whoever, my granddad did my grandmother, you know. I'm thinking about all of that. And I remember in the church I grew up in, where they talked about so much that women should submit themselves to their husband. And it was always slanted toward male egotism and one-sided. And I started examining myself that day and trying to figure out, is that, is that the attitude, is that the relationship that I've had with my wife, where I place these expectations on her that she's supposed to submit herself to me because I'm her husband? Lord said, no, you submit yourself, you know, by giving yourself to the will of God. I said, man, I got it, Lord. I got it. I got it. You know, and as we have borne the image of the earth, you see, that, that was my bearing the image in the earth of God. I was not saved. Had to be some, some characteristic change in my, in my life. Had to be some attitudes, some approaches, some feelings, some, some thoughts, you know. Some things had to change in my life, even though I was still living in the earth. But I was a natural man now being transformed into a spiritual man. You know, I didn't know how, but God taught me, okay. And we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Why are you in the earth? There should be some heavenly attributes and characteristics. And the number one that God wants to see that says you're Christ-like or you're striving to be Christ-like, not Christian already, but want to be, is love. That you're loving God more than anything else or anybody else. And then you're loving your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, by this, tell me and know that you are my disciples because you love the brethren. You pray for them. You do things for them that you're able to do. God is not putting any more on you to do that he knows you're not able to do. If it is, and he knows that you can't bear it, he'll make a way for you to escape out of it. That's love, that you can bear it in love. So let's go a little further here as we move to close. Uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians, we just talked about in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 49 of King James Bible. Now let's take a look at another reference scripture here. You know, out of 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18 of the King James Bible. It says, but we all, now that's, in, that's universal, you know, that's universal. 
okay? That, that covers everybody on this earth, man, woman, boy, girl, red, brown, green, black, white, it doesn't matter. It says, but we all. So now God's message is universal. Even though universally everybody don't accept it, there's still those who reject it. However, when God gave it, when he published it, it was universal, it's still universal, and it's going to be universal. Everybody's going to have to stand up and give an account for either why they rejected this or they accepted this. Nobody escapes this. Just because you don't know it yet, that's why Jesus said, hey, until every creature has had a chance to hear the gospel, then I'm not coming back. I got to be fair. I got to be equitable. It's always been this way from the foundation of the world. It's always going to be this way. It's not going to change because I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. My message is still the same. Now, methods sometimes change. You know, seasons change. Things change. People change. But God's message remains the same to every generation. It's universal, okay? Just like his plan of salvation, whosoever will, let him come. God so loved the world. It's universal, you know? And he says here in the second book of Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18 of King James Bible, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now it begins to tailor us specifically for those of us who have received the love of God. First, it's universal for all, but then he says also all of those who have already received him, okay? He says it's like an open face beholding as in a glass, meaning that you can see through some things, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. My God. Even as by the Spirit, big capital, they're talking about God's Spirit, of the Lord. Tells you the of the Lord. Only way. This is why we say that the, the Spirit of God, the paracletos who comes alongside of us, is to help order our steps in love. This is why in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 5, the King James Bible that we reference a lot, it says, by the love of God that had been shed abroad in our hearts. Shed abroad means that there's no room and space in there for anything else but the image of Christ, but the characteristics of Christ. That Christ-likeness, that's the beauty that people should see. It's the Christ in me, not my flesh, not my, you know, what I think, my opinion, my, you know, my, my little weak understanding, my little filthy rag attitude and disposition. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. So I shouldn't be showing them all my righteousness, all my greatness, all how, how good I am. I should be letting the light of Christ shine through that love that's in me, shed abroad in my heart. That's the only way the Lord said you're going to be able to love the brethren. You got to borrow the love that God gave. You got to use the love that God got to get in the habit of doing that. You got to practice that. You got to rehearse that. Not in just word, but in deed. Like Jesus did, you know. And so he's saying it, man. But we all, okay, that covers everybody, with open faces beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now, that's specifically those who, who have been won by the love of God, who have bought into the love of God, you know, who have received the love of God. Now you see things differently. It's like looking through a glass. You only see it in parts, you know. You don't see the whole blown picture yet. We still got to go from strength to strength in that, you know, faith to faith in that. You know, glory to glory in that. You know, that's the plan, you know, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord is our helper. He's our comforter. He's the one that helps us. He's the spirit of truth. He keeps on teaching. He keeps on demonstrating. He keeps on guiding. He keeps on leading us. He keeps on showing us the way to walk in love. 
And, and like I said earlier, sometimes it's when you're convicted about something later after you done stepped on somebody, that's who, he, that's who he is. That's what he's doing. He's the Spirit of the Lord in us. Great is he that's in us and he that's in the world. So when you don't want to love, his love is so great, it convicts you, convicts me, convicts anybody to have Christ in them. And it makes you feel guilty. It makes you feel like you did something wrong. It makes you sick to your stomach. And you just want to get that thing right because you don't like that feeling no more than I do. See, that's love working in you. And if it hadn't been mature and full and complete yet, you'd have restrained yourself and not offended the person. It wasn't your intent. It was just that only part of that love is working, even though it's been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I ain't mature yet in loving everybody like Christ loved everybody. It's only in part. It's like I'm looking through a glass and I just see what I want to see. But when the full-blown picture is revealed to me, that means that I'm going to be Christ-like. That'll be the day that I'm standing before the Lord. But in the meantime, I got to be faithful over this, over, over what God has given me to do right now because he's not going to put more on me than he knows that I can handle. He already got it figured out. Okay, let's get one more scripture here and then we're going to close for this morning. Uh, it's in the book of 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 10 of the King James Bible. And listen to what it says now. It says, always, now that means there ain't no days off here. Always, 365 days of year, 24-7, this is who we are. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. If we can do that, man, if we can remember that because God so loved it, he let his son die. If we can keep that, man, anytime you're going to make a decision about somebody, a relationship or something, you know, in all those areas that we've been talking about being well in, if you can always bear this in mind, that always bearing about in the body, and that is, individual bodies, the collective bodies, the universal bodies, the church as a whole, the body of Christ. You know, remember we start out in the last verse, it says, you know, you know, be, but we all talking about everybody, but then it scales down to the individual. It starts with the individual. And then it builds into the body, rightly, fitly, neatly joined together. The household of faith, we call it. Edifying itself in love by that, that each part supplies to the overall body until we come into the unity of the faith that we preach by love. And we look like the vertical image of Christ, what's in heaven is in earth, what's in earth is image of what's in heaven, you know, that personification. And he says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering out of love he died for us, that the life also of Jesus Christ might be made manifest in our body, the glorified life. He got up, you know, we bear, we bear the death in the earth, we remember in the earth, but also we remember, man, that he's not glorified, so we have to bear the death, we have to bear the fact that he rose again, the resurrection. This is when we come to him and we die now so that we can live later. It's that resurrection that we celebrate on, on, on Passover Sundays, you know, and we remember it every day that it's not by my good works and righteousness that I'm saved, but it's by faith in his finished work, that gift from God. All right, we're going to go ahead and end right there this morning. Thank you for your attention. Father, we just thank you. We praise you this morning. Lord God, for your word this morning. We thank you this morning, Father, how you are uh, revealing to us that the only beauty will be spiritual Christ-likeness. This is what we strive and aim for. Now, Lord, let this be the order of the day. Let this be the work that we labor to do now in love, is that we begin to develop our Christ-likeness, oh God, to, so that if you suddenly appear today, we will be just like you because we'll be found occupying in love. We'll be found doing the work, Lord God, in the earth, 
as you do the work in heaven at the right hand of the Father, until we all got stand before you in the great white throne judgment, and now all things will be made full. We'll see you the way you are because we'll be just like you. And so as we strive now to be more Christ-like, we thank you, Holy Ghost, for ordering our steps. We thank you for being there to be a confident and a help to us, continuously convicting us when we do wrong, because it's that love, God, that is in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that lets us know, God, when we have done, Lord God, a wrong God. We are convicted because of the love we have for you. And it's that love that will not separate us from you. And so, Father, we're praying now over your love, God, that is the standard for all. But we know that all will not receive that love. And, Father, if all do not receive that unconditional love, all will not be able to love. But we're praying that by the love of God, many will be drawn today that are yet afar off from you. Let that love be demonstrated through us in word and in deed, that others may see the love of Christ, and they too, Lord God, will want to conform to that image, that others might be loved. And so we give you praise going on for it right now. What the world needs now, we know is love. More love, God, not more hate. So we bind the spirit of hate right now, and we release and speak the word of love right now. More Christ-likeness right now. Throughout the body of Christ, throughout the individual believer's life, is our prayer this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we offer this prayer to the God above. Amen and amen. All right then, well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, amen.